This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Boomerang country and we wish to acknowledge them as traditional owners. We recognise First Peoples of Australia as the original storytellers of this country and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Well, hello and welcome to episode three of Bite Big, a podcast about boss women leading big brands. I'm your host, Amber Bonney, and today I'm very grateful for the opportunity to meet face-to-face with innovation powerhouse Natalia Senitsia, who is the founding partner of Ukrainian not-for-profit bereavement organisation, Angels Care. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Natalia was born in Ukraine, but in 2013, her career brought her to Australia. You're a woman of many talents, a really diverse career background. To bring everyone up to speed, you're a service designer by craft, a social innovator, and I really love this expression in your bio, a stigma breaker by mission. I think that's really beautiful. You have more than 15 years of experience in business development, marketing and service design, but your core focus now is on leading and the implementation of perinatal bereavement support in Ukraine maternity and hospitals as part of the Angels Care organisation. That sounds like a lot. Your work is focused on building skills for healthcare professionals and providing continuous support for bereaved families. And as a woman of many hats, I'd really love to hear about your journey in establishing Angels Care. I imagine it's a very emotional and and personal journey. It is indeed. And it's an honour for me to speak about Angels Care here today. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us. So this show is all about personal mantras and the name bite big came from my personal mantra bite big and chew like hell and what we like in each episode is to talk about how your personal mantra and each of our guests personal mantra has influenced their life and I'm going to share with everyone what your mantra is you have a lot of light in you don't be afraid to shine I really love that that's a beautiful sentiment and I'm fascinated to hear how did that come about for you well it's amazing that it's sort of a summary of things that were happening before. And the way this mantra actually appeared, the way it got a shape of words, was an interesting moment when, you know, actually the war started in Ukraine and uh, I had to make some bold decisions. I had to decide what is happening now. What am I leaving behind? What am I taking? What am I doing? Because I was back home in this time as well in Ukraine. So I decided to go to Australia and I realized that this is the moment actually when no one really can provide me support that I need right now. Like most of my friends are facing the same experience. People who are here are also shocked as this is massive, like for everyone, for the whole world. And I thought, well, I should be someone who supports myself. I should be this person who will provide support to me. And I decided to, you know, write myself a letter (laughs) from my future in order to inform my decisions right now. So I wrote a letter to myself from the future that I wish to have. And these were the last words of this letter. And I realized, well, this is actually what guides me or what navigates me. And it's been happening for a while already. Wow. That's incredible. Did that last line in that letter, because that letter is a beautiful idea. It's a really lovely sentiment. Did that last line come quite naturally to you as you wrote that and then it was sort of a that aha moment of actually this has always been there it did 
amazingly that I look back at this letter in a month or so and I was like, wow, did I say this? That is beautiful. So <laughs> That came from me. Yeah, it was. It was. And how does this show up for you, you know, as a as a guiding light? Because, you know, certainly my experience with that mantra is and when we ask the question about mantras, not everyone thinks about a mantra. It's, it's not a word that you use often, but when you find that thing and then you realise that's actually been the, the power or the force that's been helping guide decisions, how does this show up for you? Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually interesting because if I imagine someone else hearing this, they would probably think about it differently. Someone might think shine about Swarovski, right? Someone yep. might think shine is about like smiling to everyone this is not about it to me so in my world it's about knowing your values this is what is inside of you right this is your light knowing what is actually driving you and actually overcoming the fear in building your own path and in making your own decisions bold decisions hard decisions and actually expressing what is inside of you what is important for you what is really important for you so i actually would say that this guides what i am doing in everyday life wow and do you think it did pre you coming to australia do you think it was that pivotal moment of trauma i suppose with the with the war where that really started to show up I think it started earlier. So I think for the first time in my life, I asked myself, what are my values? But like mine, not put by society, not put by family, not put by like social expectations. Was it about 30? So I was doing some like training. They were like, what are your values? I had written them down, like seven values, these they are. And I didn't believe in them. I was like, are they really mine? Like, uh, I, I can read them, but, you know, that's sort of not driving me. Yeah. Like, and we have this challenge all the time when we're building values for organisations or values for brands. You get stuck on a set of words that are sound generic, can be interpreted in so many different ways and where there's actually a lack of conviction behind them. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is true. Uh, but that was the moment when I realised I don't really know myself. Wow. And it took probably like how many? Seven years? What an epiphany, though, to, to yeah. get to that point, especially at that age. That's sort of a, a midlife so. epiphany traditionally. Well, <laughs> you I, had I, it early. I would think it's too late. <laughs> well, I haven't done it before. That is true. Yeah. And I have one more question about the mantra. Is this something that you have to remind yourself of all the time? Like when you're in dark spots or shadows, is this something that you remind yourself about? I do, I do. The way it sounds, you know, like don't be afraid to shine. It's about kind of like sharing responsibility with something bigger. There is a light, I'm just sharing it. I'm not making hard decisions. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm just doing what I'm meant to do. So sometimes it makes hard times actually easier because you can rely on this. You can kind of share the responsibility or share the risk with your own mantra. So yeah. it's funny. It's not a real figure, but you can lean on it. Yeah. You can hold it accountable. I want to talk about the confidence to shine because as you said, shine can mean different things to different people. But you know, certainly if we think about in you um, starting your organization with your partner or in your work professional life. Talk about the confidence to shine and the confidence to sort of hold yourself accountable to that on a daily basis. I think that's my weakest spot, to be honest, because 
I had a journey, like generally speaking, if I look back in my life, some people learn from books. I learn from experience. I'm actually smashing my head off the walls. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just like, why are these things happening to me all the time? So I wouldn't say that I had easy journey. And, you know, when they say things that don't kill us make us stronger, I think things that don't kill us often make us much more vulnerable, you know, less confident, and they're not necessary serve as well. It's just over the time you see that it was helpful or it was important or you build your strength. But at the moment, so I actually have consciously worked on the confidence. I actually have consciously make decisions to find support. So, and that's actually not something that had been happening for a long time. It's probably just the last year I realized I cannot do everything by myself. I need people around me. I need to build my tribe. I need to get mentors. I need to do things to, you know, help me to feel more confident. So would it be fair to say that part of that confidence to shine or not being afraid to shine is also about, as you said before, the vulnerability of knowing when to ask for help and knowing when to have that support around you. Because it does take confidence to ask for help, especially if you have, you know, perfectionistic tendencies or, you know, everyone has different backgrounds. Some people are, are raised in a, you know, a village-like community. Some people are raised to be quite autonomous. So would that be fair to say that not being afraid to shine is, is also about knowing when to ask for help and for what you need? I like how you brought the word vulnerability. And I think, yeah, if you are able to reframe vulnerability, not like a mark, it is forever. If you're vulnerable now, you're vulnerable forever. No, no, it's just a moment when you build the resilience. It is true. Yeah, it's kind of like saying, yep, this is the moment when I am in my weakest mm. or at my weak which shouldn't mm. even be your weakest. And I might need some support right now. And look, it works both sides, right? When you see someone who is vulnerable, you just see this is the moment in their life. But in like five years, that would be so different. I'll just yeah. see it in them and be here for them. So it, it doesn't work one side. But if you're not able to ask for yourself, how, you know, how are you able to help others? Yeah, I really like that sentiment. That is a beautiful segue to another note that I had on how do you use this mantra to help other people see their light? With the background of angels care, it's really seeing bigger pictures. So say we work with families, with people who experienced loss in their life and loss really puts you down to your lowest. And what it does, sometimes the pain is so big that you want to just like shrink all these emotions. You yeah. don't want to feel it. And then what you actually do by not letting yourself feel the pain, you kind of don't allow yourself to feel any positive emotions that you might have as well. So what we do, we kind of help to reach the good things via difficult experience. We create, like what I do, I create space for people to share their pain for the only reason to empty the space for the good, to empty the space for the laughter, to empty the space for the happiness. And this is how I do this. So I kind of like let the heavy stuff being left the space that we create in order for the good stuff to mm. pop up in their life. You can't fill your cup with good things if it's already filled <laughs> with darkness, right? So you're helping people 
emptied the cup of darkness to allow, uh, you know, that fresh yeah. cup. Yeah, and it's not. It's definitely yeah more about what is next. Yeah, incredible. Well, I'd love to go back a step if you'll let me, so that our listeners can get an understanding of what angels care is all about and and how that came about. It's a definitely personal story. It's a story of personal loss. So back in 2018, my son was born. It's almost five years ago. And unfortunately, he was the baby who right after being born got into a NICU unit and we were fighting for his life for four days. And we didn't didn't manage we couldn't we couldn't do anything but what happened then there was like a double shock so first shock was from losing the future right losing the yep. future that i was imagining the picture that you son. had yeah yeah and the other shock was how doctors were treating us how doctors irrespectful of everything were trying to save myself and save my husband from this mental trauma for this like enormous wave of grief, how they were preparing us for everything. So when you think about the name Angel's Care, it's not about babies who have passed away. Yeah. It's about healthcare professionals who are providing the care like an I don't know, guardian angels, or that was just a metaphor that we had when we were naming the organization. And then incredible things started happening to us after two weeks, even after loss. So we really had double shock. But the first you have thought, right? And then you have word, then your destiny is being shaped. So we had a thought that because of the support that we received, we're not going to hide our story. We will share it. We will tell our friends that we experienced loss. We will tell our relatives. We'll tell everyone what happened to our family. And when we started sharing, the number of my closest, like people who are so close to me, who started sharing these stories was enormous. I was you had no idea that so many other people had experienced I this had loss. no idea because it was such a stigma, it was such a shame mm. that people were just not sharing it. And I don't think that this is culturally just about where you were in the Ukraine. I, I imagine I've never experienced that loss and I'm really sorry to hear about that loss because I, I know people that have experienced loss and just how overwhelming it is. But I certainly understand in Australia it's the same sort of challenge and I know there's a lot of organisations working towards changing that but it sort of seems like something that I imagine would be universal across the world. It is universal. It is universal. It's just that some societies do better than others. So between Ukraine and Australia there's still what I see like 40 year gap but the journey is so slow because it's actually changing the way we see the trauma itself, the way we treat people with loss, and it's it's hard. Mm, so it's complex. It's not one-sided. Yeah. So it was the first step when I realized, wait, we had the support, and it was so hard for us because we were in the hospital, one of the best hospitals in Western Australia, mm-hmm. and that was the hospital where all bereavement support started 40 years ago. Wow. This is something that we learned later, and... I just thought, how about all these people who had zero support? And that was in Ukraine. And then, like, somehow we had a thought. So first thought was, we're going to share our story. And then we started doing this. And second thought was, we need to make sure that people in Ukraine who go through the loss of the baby receive support. 
And then we started sharing it. And once we started sharing it, we realized that people around us who surround us in Western Australia were people who were studying Burundian support 40 years ago. And they were like, we know how to do this. We will just share it with you. These are the problems you will face. These are the things you need to do. Don't do this, do that. Like, And that's just in setting up the organization. It is, yeah. yeah. And just like they helped us to predict what can go wrong, what challenges we might face, but they were extremely supportive. So it was incredible. We didn't know we have these people in our environment, but once we started sharing it, people started saying, oh, look, actually, I know something about it. And then we met Sense. I met Sense as the um, bereavement support group um, attendees. So I was just like visiting support groups. And we just asked them, can we translate your brochures? Can we do this? So we just... We never thought about building something big until it became big. So that is the magic about Angel's Care. We never thought, I I would never choose this topic if you asked me like seven years ago. I would be like, no, startups, tech, artificial intelligence, whatever, but not grief, grieving, loss, trauma, healthcare, maternity. It's Mm. such a foreign topic to me back then. Yeah. And so much bravery, I suppose, in that when you start something like this, you have to be prepared to constantly relive that trauma in discussion. So, you know, if you talk about the the confidence to shine, the generosity in spirit from you and your husband, and, and I imagine other people involved in the organisation that's experienced that, there's such a, a generosity of spirit in in having to go through that time and time again, knowing that there's, you know, a little part of you that must break every time you think about it. True. You know, when we were when we were starting, I thought that I won't be able to do this because it's too hard. So when we were building organization, we were building it with a thought that we will leave it in one year or so. Right. Yeah. But then in a year and on the baton to someone else. Exactly. But in a year, in two years, now in four years, I realized this is such a fulfilling like this is my mission and I'm How happy beautiful. other for other people to join. We always like volunteers are always welcome. Advisors are always welcome. We're not, we don't, don't have any ego around this organization. It's really like, it's really challenging. So if people can help, they always welcome. But I realized I have enough strength to do this. I'm do not that. like this topic is not kind of destroying me as it does for many people. So. Yeah. I imagine probably, you know, part of it's quite cathartic in in that long-term healing process. 100%. Yeah. Wow. It's absolutely incredible. I want to talk a little bit about significant moments or pivotal moments for you in creating Agile's Care. So we just spoke about, obviously, the, the inception, but who was it that you looked up to outside of the Australian organisation? Did you have support in the Ukraine or was there someone that was really, you know, that sort of shining light for you? That is incredible uh, because it wasn't, it wasn't someone who you would think you look at it like some star, someone big. It was my grandma. Wow. Well, so, do you know the powers of grandparents? Well, so. yeah. So when we came and we started sharing that we want to start Angels Care, we already had a website. So Angels Care started in Australia, actually. Yep. So we published first article here. We started Facebook page here. But when we came to Ukraine, started sharing it with our friends, we were receiving, like, you know, like a funny look, like, move on. Well, they will move on eventually. You know, like, it's 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 a strange, it's wow. um, like this 
how would you say it really? It's like, I feel sorry for you. Yeah, Eventually it's an uncomfortable space for other people to be in, not for the people grieving, but potentially exactly. for other people. Yeah, and even I was facing people and people were like looking at me, I was sharing what I want to do and they were like, everything will be right, everything will be right. And you're like, you, know, you hear this and you understand, well, this is not about me at the moment. Of course, everything will be all right. This is a story of my loss, a mm. story without happy end, but I know I'll have many other stories. So, But then when I shared this with my grandma, she was like, do you remember I wanted to give a present for my great-great-son, mm. but he's lost, so I want to donate money Aww. for angels' care. Yeah. And that was like the moment when I realized, oh, my God, I actually have support. And if she sees it this way, this is the most important person who so I She was like one of your first investors. She's, she, she, she funded was. it, the solo crowdfunding. She was, and it was incredible. So what we did, we actually printed like a therapeutical postcard that were talking about loss and about healing and about future after loss. These were like free cards. One was saying, you're always in my heart. One was saying, you know, there is a rainbow after the storm. And one was saying that you build your life after loss. So I think we printed 1,000 of them. Wow. And these were for at the hospital. So they're available when parents are going through this loss. Exactly. And that was the massive pivot for me so sometimes our guru our you know like someone to look after is so close to us and is someone who we might never thought of like it's not a where the streets was coming from that's incredible she is my star so (laughs) what a grandma I also want to ask about how you've balanced something so intense with you know working life you know you you have a career you've got a successful career how have you managed from inception to now to try and find balance or or have you not that's perfectly fine no judgment I did it for the first two years so first two years were hard were like extremely hard I even put myself into financial trouble because I was focusing too much on angel care but angel care is purely volunteering and giving but the interesting thing is that one builds the other so where I am what's my career journey it's actually human centric design and angel care is the biggest human centric design project I ever made yeah so what a beautiful case study like you can't you can't get a better case study than that that is true empathy generosity, you know, finding solutions in um, non-linear ways. That That is true. And Angel's Care became like a place where strengths of myself and strengths of my husband, he's in branding, yeah. he's in marketing. They just found the best possible realization ever. So we were just doing what we are good at and finding people who are good at other things. So we're finding yeah. psychotherapists, we're translating international standards, we're not creating our by ourselves what we don't know and what is kind of we were not reinventing bicycle, mm-hmm. but we were giving what is strong from our side. We were co-creating with doctors. We had so many workshops when everyone was crying, obviously. The journey mapping would have been quite an emotional process. Yes, but we've done it all, sort of... Yeah. One build the other one, and then they just build on top of the other. And I keep developing angels care and keep growing my skills at the same time, which is they're just I, yeah feeding into each other. It does melding so, into each other. Yeah, 
the more practical things here, <laughs> I actually try to uh, have time for everything. I try not to mix things, right? So if I have to work, say, eight hours a day, I would make sure that one hour in the evening after I take a rest, walk with my dogs or, you know, just like have this calm moment, I'll spend one hour doing angels care. And also I always think, what am I good at? What am I fast at? And what am I not good at? And what can I delegate? So delegating mm-hmm. is the key. Otherwise, I just won't be capable to do this. A team is important. Finding people, like finding your strengths and doing only what you're really good at and giving opportunity for others to help, to support. That's how you manage to balance it. Mm, which sort of just picks up from, on what you were saying before about the confidence to shine is also about knowing when to ask for help and when to also say, you know what, this is what I'm really good at. Yes, I can probably do those other things, but it's not the best utilization of my time. So by allowing yourself that one hour, what is the best thing that you can do with that one hour? It makes you think differently. It makes you think differently. Just like essence, just the top things. I can give you an example, right? Because people might like listen and think, what do you mean? So say I know a lot about grief and grieving. I read like tons of books and because this knowledge is available in English we don't have many people in Ukraine who are able to and say of course we communicate from the agency of course we write articles of course we we have to um, be present and always provide like some new content for people to lean on it and my team they just call me do you mind you know writing an article about stigma and I said well yeah I can but I'm not good in writing actual article. I just have the knowledge. So what if I put the key tests? What are, what if I pull like the main things? And then we have someone who will actually frame it. I'm happy to give a link to the research. I'm happy to give to share the knowledge, but I'm not good in like putting the article together. So what I do in one hour, I'll just like pull together the information then we send it to our like journalists who are from our community mm-hmm. who know this topic who experienced lost as well and they just turn it into amazing articles and we publish them so I do 30% of work then it's been done by someone else but it's packaged amazingly so this is how I'm trying to do even, even the little things okay I'm a source of knowledge but I'm not a writer yeah. So like how can we make it work? Yeah. And part of that, I feel, also comes from the maturity of knowing what am I actually really good at? How do I avoid burnout? Which, by the way, is like a perpetual task for me because I take on always too much and I'm, you know, every day trying to remind myself of what are you, where are you adding the most value and how do you make sure that you don't just work 24 hours a day all the time. I really love that you have blended the, the theory of service design and use that to, to meld into this um, trauma and healing and education for angels care. I mean, what a beautiful gift that skill is to be able to blend those two important things for your life together. I know I still sometimes don't believe it, you know, I think I, I have a feeling sometimes that angels care was meant to be a, yeah. My husband and I, we were just at the right moment, the right time, and the it right all time. happened. So it's incredible. It's and did you study service design or is that something you sort of fell into? So I didn't study. I was in business development, marketing, and in 2017, I actually met 
someone from UK. His name is Steve Lee and he is a service designer. And we just had a talk in a coffee shop in Ukraine, in my hometown. We were talking about like, what is he doing? And he shared with me what is service design? What is he doing? And I was like, this is it. I love it. I love it. Interesting. Tell me more. And you went down that rabbit hole of learning. I decided, I made a decision that I'm making a pivot and I'm actually adding the skills. So it's it's a complementary skills if you're in the if you have business background, right? If you've been developing brands, I was in startup world, it's still the same, right? It's very similar instruments. It's just putting it all into a different context. That's another story. I started looking for where I can study, but in Ukraine we didn't really have any proper service design schools. So when I was in Australia in 2018, my intention was to have a baby and start service design course while I'm on my maternity leave. Yep. And when I experienced loss, my thought was, I'm not giving up. I lost my son. I don't want to lose my life. The I dream. don't want to lose my dreams. I don't want to lose everything else. And I still joined the course and I still started doing this. And when I was doing this, I was doing it already on Angel's Care. So I was like, okay, ecosystem map. Oh, okay. customer journey. great. I, you had a practical case study to apply it to. I have no idea how people were like checking, you know, like when you study, people are reading your project. <laughs> I have no idea how they were feeling about it. But yeah, so even though I knew instruments before, even though I um, knew a lot about service design, the actual study I was doing already in combination, in practice, in practice with Angel's Care. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. It's a really incredible story and journey. And as I said before, a woman of many hats. I want to talk to you about being a brand boss and and what that means for you. And I suppose I'll give you a bit of context around when we talked about starting this podcast and we were talking about my mantra of, of bite big. And that's a philosophy that I've had with me from a very young age. So I I take things on and I I reach high and then I work out how to do it later. <laughs> so I, I find the skills, I, you know, I do the learning, I reach high and then I work out how to do it later. And certainly when I was starting my business and lots of people were saying, because I was a single parent when I started my business and lots of people were saying, just go and get a stable job. What are you doing trying to, you know, I was looking at taking on, you know, really big high profile clients and like, what are you doing? Just go and get a job, get your superannuation. I'm like, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to reach up. doesn't work. I'll go and get a job after it doesn't work. (laughs) So the idea of bite big boss women leading big brands was less about um, seeing branding from, you know, traditional commercial sense and more about being the boss of something's important. And that's what I thought when when someone suggested to talk to you and I looked at your organisation, Angels Care, and I thought, this is not about commercial branding. This is about a brand that has meaning and impact at a much deeper, richer level. So I wanted to ask you, it was a long way of getting to an actual question, which is how do you feel about the term being your own boss and what does that mean to you to, to have this organisation? I think that, you know, it's, a, it's again a journey, but it's about building your own path. Yeah. To me, being a boss, it's about, okay, never walked here before, let's give it a go. And it's very similar to what you're saying. It's just under very different light. So when uh, I started with Angel's Care, 
the thing that I wanted to do, I wanted to create space for others as well to build and just care. So I didn't want to do it myself purely. And there were other people who were doing similar things in Ukraine who were providing support, but they were th- by themselves, they didn't have any power. And I thought if I'm building and just care, first of all, I'm ready to be at the front with the flag, beginning like front of the column, don't know how it works, but we'll try. But then I thought I want to create the environment where others can strive as well, like yeah. where others can join and do big things together. So that's what being a boss means to you? To me, yeah, it's like nurturing talents of others and not being afraid of leading them. I love that sentiment. Can you think of a time where in this journey you've wanted to give up or where you've felt like that path or that being your own boss was just, it was too much? I'm constantly Is this daily? I'm Is this constantly the daily thing? Up. So <laughs> probably... After, after I think one and a half year, I had like a crisis moment when I realized it's just too much. I'm like trying so hard, things don't work. I didn't know that things in order in order for things to work, they need time. So I was like, we spent one Being year impatient. and a half, and still like no results. Why so? Said I didn't think about it, and I really had a moment when I wanted to give up, and I said, I'm taking one month break. This is horrible, not doing it anymore. So I went to spend one month in the mountains, just uh, relaxing, drinking herbal tea and not thinking about anything. And then uh, in a month, I, reala- I realized that I miss and just care so much. I need to go home and we'll do this and we'll do this and we'll do that. All the, you know, <laughs> so, it's during that downtime, my experience is when um, I'm feeling overwhelmed by just, you know, because I bite too big. <laughs> Sometimes. too much to do, the irony, <laughs> is that downtime just allows the brain to then have those creative sparks. Recharge. And if you're continually on the hamster wheel, you don't get that inspiration to happen. True, true. And then, you know, what I, what happened? So I had this moment of crisis. Everyone was shocked what's going on. Or in organisation, like people who are part of our team, they rely on me and they think that I am like a glue, that I'm keeping it all together. Though I don't think this way. So it was like... You're like the oracle. (laughs) True, true. (laughs) What's wrong with her? And then, you know, then we came to the agreement that it's fine to complain. And I said, like, I think that Angel's Care will forgive me if I'd be saying, giving up, it's impossible, it will never work. And we allow ourselves, like, we allow everyone to have these momentums. We are absolutely comfortable with anyone making a step back when they need it. We're absolutely comfortable about complaining about things. I think generally speaking, complain is the only way to make things better. So yeah. yes, complain, get to the zone of discomfort. It's all good. It's all part of the journey. And um, yeah, I have these moments when I know that I need to make a step back. I have these moments when I know that I'm complaining and it's a little bit too much. Maybe I shouldn't, but I know that my team, my tribe will forgive me. And uh, I think it's just normal. Yeah, it's an outlet, right? As long as you don't sit in that space for too long. But also if you don't allow the honesty of that frustration to come out, you end up with deep-seated, pent-up frustration, which ultimately leads to a nervous breakdown. 
of some description. Burnout, anything like, you know, compassion, fatigue or whatever. It's it's so many things. So if you yeah. have this anger, I think generally speaking, anger or like the, I, I stop at the anger. I don't go further. I allow myself to express anger, but I think anger has a lot of energy in it. Mm. So if I'm angry, things don't work. We will never change this to me in Ukraine. It's too hard. <laughs> it's this and that. I love it to be. I love myself to complain. I love myself to make a step back and then realize, okay, I'm recharged and ready to, I'm ready to continue. I'm ready to go now. That's incredible. I want to talk about your B moment. We ask all of our guests, well, it's only episode three, so I've only asked two other people, but <laughs> you're the third. Um, what's been your biggest B moment and what's been that impact for you? So I would say that I have four B moments. Some were always natural to me. Some are the B moments that I developed. So the one that I developed is belief. Belief in your good, right? So it's not about, it's not about like some superstitious belief. I don't know, like people have different understanding of the word belief. But say you're living the life that is not 100% like what you would imagine. Believe that there is this good life for you. Believe there is your good. If you are into relationship, believe there are good relationship for you. If you're into career, believe you will build this. So this is the first thing. The um, second B that was supernatural for me, and I have no idea how I developed this. It was with me from the childhood, is break. I think it's like a Shiva, you know, he destroys in order for things to appear. This is purely me. This is my energy. I am easy in breaking things. I'm easy in changing locations, changing jobs, breaking habits that don't serve me, breaking values that don't serve me, anything that doesn't work for me. I know that then I'll have to start from the beginning, but if it doesn't work for me now or it doesn't have a chance to work, I'll break and change it. Yeah. I mean, there's so many biases attached to not breaking, right? If you think about, you know, societal structures, gender roles, like anything, if it's not broken, it's a bit of a problem. It, it is true. And probably my ability to break is, you know, I, I'm from Ukraine where we are even more, how would you say, like conservative. Yes. So I saw many people struggling because they were not bold enough to make a decision to move. And maybe there was behind the corner their happy day, but they decided to struggle forever. They didn't change jobs. They didn't change partners. I don't know. It sounds yeah. like you change partners. They didn't choose the right mm. partners. Let's well, I've this given way. that advice to many friends. So yep. <laughs> change partner. Yeah. Why we celebrate on the yeah. wedding? You know, why do we celebrate separation? It actually sometimes brings to good outcomes. Yeah. Sorry to say it here. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. The other one is the one that I build as well. It's build, build yourself. I never thought consciously, like if you were to ask me seven years ago, I wouldn't know how to build yourself. Now I think consciously, what do I know? What is my ambition? What do I need to learn in order to get there? What do I need to do in order to get there? So um, build is important element. Read books like that, not just any books, but those who, those that will, you know, bring you closer to where you want to go. Then if you believe in yourself, right, believe that there is your good. If you break things that hold you, if you build things that are missing, 
or even built from your past traumas, right? Then you have a chance to become. And this is, I think, the purpose of our living is to become who we are meant to be. This is this light in you and shine. It's about becoming. So it's a journey to become. You don't just become, you have to work on this and you probably will never become. It's a journey of becoming, but I think it's a beautiful path. I think if you write a book, you should call it Believe, Break, Build, Become. <laughs> there you go. That's a good idea. Yeah, I'll, I'll help you with the book cover. <laughs> All right. Our, our closing questions is, I wish I'd read. Now, given we're in a modern day, it could be, I wish I'd listened to. But what is something that you wish that you could tell your younger self to listen to or to read that's really motivated you? There are three things that are in this area. So first one is I would tell myself, Know your strengths and don't stress out about your weaknesses. You know, you might never be good in climbing trees if you like a fish or, you know, I'm definitely the fish. I'm not good in climbing trees. So <laughs> just know your skills, do some personality tests, whatever. Just just understand what you're good at. So I've done this amazing test called Colbe. You will pay for this. It's like a personality test, but it shows you what are the things you need to do first. So apparently I'm a creative person, but I'm horrible with synthesizing. And sure. I was constantly being upset that I, why cannot why I cannot synthesize why people can like create a boring spreadsheet I cannot like I, I thought that I cannot wrong read with a me. spreadsheet at all unless I've it's color coded and got lots of same big headings here, yeah. same year just like horrible <laughs> yeah. but knowing this takes a lot of pressure out of yourself so this was the first thing like know yourself learn what your strengths and build on top of them rather than build build on top of your weaknesses the second thing is if i look at the question if i think about this question i read so much but i was never doing anything so i actually do things that you read right <laughs> that's incredible if they write a book and everyone says it's the best book in the world well try doing something that is in this book don't just read it and say oh what a beautiful concept yeah atomic habits awesome book but i'm not going to do anything it doesn't work so for like 30 something years i was just reading i was reading a lot but i was never doing anything and now i started doing and i'm just like wow putting it in action of, power of little steps is actually powerful <laughs> so that was the second thing and one more is money i think generally speaking we are so bad with our money that is the thing that i would tell myself when i was 20 natalia learn about money learn about investment read books about money because it shapes a lot of things that you do and it makes you actually making sometimes better life decisions. So I've done quite a few poor decisions with my money because I had no idea how money work. Yeah, and financial literacy is one of the key underdeveloped areas of education globally, I think, and especially globally. for women because we know that women are impacted the most by financial illiteracy. But the thing with money, as you said, is there's some, you know, short-term mistakes that people can make that are little. So, you know, you've overpaid for a pair of shoes. But you True. can also make some decisions when you're younger that have lifelong impacts to, you know, your credit rating or your ability to borrow. It's quite incredible. It is incredible. And what I think as well, it changes what you do and how you act. Sometimes it actually makes you act smarter so like, you know, for me, knowing my values, one of my values is my craft. 
well, if I'm selling my craft, I want to sell it expensive, right? I don't want to sell it cheap. And you Bottom went of the rung. Exactly. Yeah. You went for big brands. Yeah. So it actually, it's not the core value at all. Money shouldn't be the core value. Money should be basic skill. If we know how our body works, if we know how to get from like station A to station B, how the tram system works in Melbourne or whatever, we should know money. This is basic knowledge. And that is the thing that I would tell myself. Everything else I've done good, except knowing what are my strengths, except really doing rather than just reading and thinking, mm, that's an interesting concept we have here. And money just for safety as a basic core skill that I think everyone should have. Yeah. Yeah. They are three really important things. And when you write that book, you can talk about those <laughs> as your key, your key takeouts. Well, Natalia, that's the end of our time. And I've got to say, I could probably sit here for another hour and a half and talk to you. Thank you for being such a boss co-host today <laughs> and for sharing, you know, your version of Biting Big, but also, you know, it's a very personal journey for you. And I really appreciate the vulnerability in, in showing up today. And of course, I love the attribute of your mantra of not being afraid to shine. And, and some of the key takeouts I took in today's conversation were when you spoke about allowing other people to shine. And I think that's really, you know, transferring that mantra to influence other people is really generous thing to do. I really love the sentiment of when you've never walked here before, just giving it a go, like just, you know, carving, you know, when we were talking about being, what does a boss mean to you? It means, you know, carving your own path. I thought that was a beautifully articulated sentiment. I think the core message though, that I took out was the four Bs and um, you've really raised the bar on when people answer that question now, because you had such a well articulated <laughs> response, but your belief in good about breaking, about building and about becoming. I mean, I think they're absolutely incredible uh, sentiments for people to take away. And I, I really thank you for your time and your generosity. Well, thank you for creating a space for sharing this. That is extremely valuable for me as well. Well, you're welcome. And we know, you know, one of the things about Biting Big, this is a podcast that's produced and made um, by women for women. And to show our gratitude, we donate $500 on behalf of all of our guests to their chosen charities. And it will be no surprise that the two charities you've chosen is Angels Care and SANS. And SANS is the local Australian bereavement organisation that, that inspired you and supported you on your journey. So we'll definitely make those donations. Is there anything else that, that I've missed? or that you'd like to say about those organisations? I think one incredible thing about both of these organisations that they are built by just like average person without any superpowers that we think about. You know, when we think about success, we don't frame it this way. We don't think that these are successful people or these are these are incredible things that they do. We kind of have slightly wrong understanding. So when I think about sense and then I, when I think about angels care and our volunteers, I just think that anyone can, you know, be incredible and anyone has so much in them. It's just a matter of finding this right path that works for you. So my appreciation for sense for doing this and for all the volunteers in sense for for being here for 40 years and inspiring others helping one can change the you know they helped us they helped two people and now we're changing the whole country and now you help thousands of people so this is how it works 
Well, thank you. I've been your host, Amber Bonnie, and until the next episode, I hope you bite big and chew like hell. Thank you. Thank you.